Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Weekly Podcast for the week commencing Monday the 12th of July with me, Peter Watson. I'm joined by Duncan Balcon, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi Duncan, how are you? I was going to say today, but really later on today because we were <laughs> recording earlier on. So how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm still very good, thank you. How are you? Thank God, thank God. I mean, you know, you've still maintained that uh, um, throughout the day, which is which is brilliant. Well, it's, been um, fr- it's been a good Friday. What can I say? Yeah, good, good. <laughs> yes, you went you went swimming. You said you said in a in a in a lake. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Lo- lo- local river. It's a good, all good fun. <laughs> yes, no, all good, all good. Um, right. Anyway, um, so today, uh, obviously, this is the, this is the weekly um, podcast. So, just a real. Um, roundup um, of the week as usual um so we'll go through some macro stuff bit of china clamp down tech malarkey um bit of consumer bit of retail and a bit of real estate so a lot of this is about actually the mind of the consumer and and, and on what's going on therein um so you'll be interested to know that the macro section is actually really rather small compared to what it normally is but anyway um right so kicking off um from on the macroeconomic stuff you got China, the um, exports shot up by 32.2% in June versus the previous year, which is way above expectations. Um, that is seen as you know, a relatively good sign because China is seen as the world's factory. Um, then uh, the other thing that we um, saw was the second quarter GDP growth rate slowed right down. Um, but then again, it was in line with expectations, given the fact that the first quarter was uh was about 18 percent and that's clearly unsustainable Mm. um so that's good you know china is still on track so that's good um and then in terms of the other thing in macro is there was a load of inflation chat um you know as 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 usual but anyway um the um so just just to uh just to sort of skip through that We've got the U.S. In, US inflation rate rose at the fastest rate since August 2008. Um, so it was up by 5.4% uh, versus the consensus estimates of 4.9%. Um, and this means that the pressure is growing on um, Jerome Powell or Jay Powell, you know, to his pals. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and Andrew Bailey or Drew, as he's known to. I have no idea, actually. Uh, Andrew <laughs> Bailey is... is um, he is... Um, uh, he's the deputy. Uh, sorry, he's the governor of the of the Bank of England. Sorry, sorry, Andrew Bailey. I just demoted you there momentarily. Um, but anyway, yeah. So basically, they're both under a lot of pressure because you know uh, prices continue to go up. Um, obviously, recently the uh, Bank of England kind of moved the goalposts in terms of what their um, what their uh, inflation target was. They moved that inflation target to three percent, and now the deputy uh, governor of the Bank of England um, <laughs> said said that actually he thinks it's going to be more like four percent and that's a massive i mean okay we're talking three percent to four percent but that's a huge difference um so clearly he's he's uh you know saying that his fellow uh members are are wrong um so that's that was quite interesting and then um i mentioned in today's uh, watson's daily about how i thought that actually um uh there was sorry there was another person in the monetary policy committee which is a part of the 
Bank of England decides the interest rate. Um, there was one of the bods in there um, also was having a bit of a wobble. Um, and it looks like he's talking about that, you know, the inflation is getting to be a serious problem. They need to do something about it. So there we go. Um, amazing kind of drama in the world of interest. Now, I'm trying to make it sound exciting because... Um, Let's face it, it's not massively exciting. Let's let let's be honest. Um... No, but considering that considering that that rate when it gets to two percent normally has yeah. people all panicky and slightly jittery. Yeah. To just yeah. casually raise it to three and then <laughs> casually raise it to yeah. four, like, is that double what it originally was? I know. I know. Um, I know. Like, I know. like the things happened. Yes, like, absolutely. <laughs> how absolutely. About, how about how blasé can you get? <laughs> I know. I know. There's nothing like doing that sort of uh, you know quietly shifting up your uh, recommendations. Um, anyway, um, so we'll move on to the China clampdown and tech in general. Mm. Um, so China clampdown. So um, China wants to impose checks on overseas listings um, as the CAC. I always think it's quite funny that <laughs> it's a bit of an unfortunate <laughs> acronym. Um, but CAC, which stands for Cyberspace Administration of China. Um, so they, they announced that um, on, on over the weekend that Chinese companies that have data of over 1 million users are going to have to pass a security review before they go and list abroad. Now, that means that any Chinese company um, approaching any kind of size is going to have to get through them before they even think of listing abroad. And already we've seen that apparently a load of Chinese companies have abandoned plans um, to uh, to list abroad because of this clampdown. Um, and 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 especially what they've seen happen to Didi, for instance. And while we're on the subject of Didi, um, Didi's rivals. So Didi is a it's like a, like a Uber in China. Um, it has uh, <coughs> its rivals, Cow Cow. I am sorry if I am totally murdering that uh, pronunciation. T three Chuxing and Meituan. They're all trying to um, uh, you know make inroads into. Didi's something like 90% market share um, mm. of ride hailing um, while, while Didi are, are on the naughty step. Oh, well, um, they've had a pretty disastrous couple of weeks, haven't they? They Didi? have. So they you, can't have. Bl- you can't really blame their competition for trying to take advantage. No, but... absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, so anyway, uh, China, the Chinese government have put new guidelines in place saying key industries like telecoms should spend at least... 10% of their IT budgets on cybersecurity over the next two years, which is great news if you are a domestic cybersecurity uh, expert, as per Venus Tech and NS Focus Technologies. Um, and, um, uh, you know, they've, they've, not, they've, they've not done that much, or their valuation is not really that high, especially when you compare, uh, compare them to their US peers, Fortinet and Palo Alto networks. Mm. So that looks quite interesting. I mean, I know that we we actually spoke about this, um, you know, on on the podcast um, today, uh, earlier on today, um, and talking about actually staying on the subject of cybersecurity, which continues to be 
hot, uh, as they say. Um, or as I say. Um, <laughs> I don't know who says that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no, actually, it's just, it's just me. It's just me. Um, so, um, so anyway, um, we, so we've got Dark Trace. That's such a cool sounding name for a company, isn't it? Um, so British um, cybersecurity company called Dark Trace, which floated in April and whose share price has doubled um, since then. Um, it's it's um, it was it was talking about strong uh, strong demand for cybersecurity. By the way, I'm talking about that because obviously cybersecurity a big theme. Um, clearly, it's a big theme in China, but I think it's a big theme everywhere. So that's why I'm mentioning Dark Trace. Um, and the other thing is, while we're on the subject of of, of you know security, um, Avast uh, has got a bid from Norton. So in other words. Uh, I think that most people will know this is Nor- you know, Norton Antivirus and AVG. Um, so, yeah, Norton has, has approached, uh, well, has sort said it's in talks, but they haven't put together a formal offer yet. Um, but it looks like it's going to, you know, offer for Avast. Um, investors in Avast have been um, aghast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, and, and they've, and, and what they've done is, um, you know, they've they've sent the the share price north because they reckon that this this is quite a low price, and maybe others will come into the frame and and potentially try to put in a higher offer. So that's what's going on there. So basically, yes, um, you know, cybersecurity continues to be a a hot topic, and I think will continue to be, you know, for some time yet. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in China, when you've got a a government saying you've got to spend at least ten percent of your IT spend on it, well, that's that's a definite uptick. Um, whereas, um, you know, they don't have the same kind of thing elsewhere. But I think given the amount of ransomware attacks and things that we've seen recently, um, I think it's just going to get more and more, uh, more and more important. And companies, especially if they're feeling more confident, uh, maybe they've got getting some more money in. They want to make sure that they're not going to have to pay a whole load of it away in ransom. Um, so, so, yes, yeah, so that's that's very interesting. So there you go. I mean, what what do you think? Have you uh, you know ransomware? Are you yeah, ransomware well, not... aware? <laughs> not 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 that's me, but I, I would I say. The, I don't um... know what's wrong with me today. I'm really sorry. About I, that. I, I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. <laughs> no, yeah. the the, um, the the China, the combination of stories about China have been really mm. interesting for me this week mm. because, like I say, because they've been saying you've got to spend ten percent of your IT spend on this, but actually those companies that you're going to be spending it on can't list abroad without passing these checks. They're mm. going to end up putting a lot of money through Chinese companies internally. Um mm. which I think I think is a really interesting move. And I think we spoke on on the daily podcast when when the one of these stories first broke about whether other countries will follow suit and try and keep cybersecurity really insular and really kind of domestic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think that's really interesting because that's a lot of money that's then going to go back through Chinese companies, yeah. um, which obviously benefits everyone over there. Really, Ma- mm-hmm. loads of money going back into the economy, which I think is really good. Yeah. In terms of the the Norton um, and Avast story, I think that's that'll be interesting if, if that goes through, particularly with the size of the two companies, um, because. Yeah, you're looking at a big percentage of market share on you of those two yep. together. But yep. like I said, the, there is that kind of feeling that the the rumoured offer or unofficial offer or whatever it is at the moment um, mm. might not be high enough. So it'd be interesting to see if other people kind of jump in and try and get involved in that as well. Yeah, exactly. I bet, it, I bet um, you know, private equity will no no doubt try and uh, try and give you know give give it a go. I reckon. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's that's all. That's all good. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, so that was that was good. And then um, tech generally. So outside of um, cybersecurity and 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 
clampdowns and stuff. Um, Google was fined 500 million euros by the French regulator um, for violating an order to agree licensing deals with publishers. So that means they've got they've now got two months to um, to rectify this or they're going to have to face a fine of up to 900,000 euros per day. Um, So, yeah, quite a lot, quite a lot. Um, I mean, even, you know, Google, they could probably pay, you know, they'll find this down the back of the sofa somewhere, but still it's a pain. Um, So they'll have to do something about it. Um, And then uh, the other thing was Nokia lifted its guidance for the full year. Um, said that the the uh, the so the uh, second quarter results are due to be published at the end of this month um, is one of the beneficiaries, I guess, of the massive Huawei bashing that's been going on for probably the last twelve to twelve to eighteen months. Um, mm. You know, so um, so as as hope um, you know, uh, just just as a reminder um, to to some some of our listeners, um, what has happened is um, that Huawei was very big in five G five G networks and rollouts and stuff, um, and then the uh, Americans and Chinese all got in a bit of a uh, got in a bit of a tizzy, um, and um, uh, US basically went round the world. Um, shouting to all and sundry, um, you know, don't use Huawei because they'll listen into your stuff and you're not, it won't be secure. And if you're not secure, we won't deal with you either. And all this kind of stuff, which was extremely painful for, um, for all involved, apart from the alternatives to Huawei, um, which are, you know, Ericsson, uh, Nokia, also uh, uh, increasingly these days, Samsung. So uh, yeah, so five G is is um, you know is where it's at for Nokia. Um, so they actually, do you remember Nokia when you know in its in its heyday when when you know it was by far the biggest uh, handset maker? Yeah, yeah I, I remember being kind of in kind of around the kind of ten sort of mark. Yeah. <laughs> and and the thirty two ten being the Nokia yeah. thirty two ten with Snake, that was the big yes. thing. With yeah, Snake yeah. being the ultimate phone you could possibly have. Yeah. You, it, it didn't break. It ran for yeah. days. You could do anything with it. And yeah. it had, like I said, it had Snake on it. Yeah. Um and obviously yeah they got in fact I think really up to when the first iPhone came out, oh, Nokia course, yeah. what what was the phone to have, wasn't it? So yeah. it'd be nice to see if they could have a bit of a resurgence because they yeah, still make I mean, pretty decent products, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know that I think their days of handsets are really over. But the mm. the um, it is it really every time I see it, I do think it is amazing how far that thing fell, um, mm. and it was a lesson. I think it was a lesson to everyone really because um, when Nokia, you know, Nokia was by far the you know it was the number one. Um, you know, Apple was just a, a, a as usual a latecomer. Um, and I actually think it wasn't, I mean, the, the, the original iPhone that was, you know, that did make a splash, but I think it wasn't until the, the next version of the iPhone came out when mm. it really started to, you know, Nokia started to disappear, but basically it was a commoditization of handsets. Um, and the reason why I think everyone is still using, you know, why Apple win and why Samsung win is because um, of their operating systems and the way that people use their phones and they put their information in there and they think, oh, you know, well, I'll just stay with them rather than with with the previous phones like Nokia and Ericsson, for instance. Mm. 
they they didn't have that sort of stickiness and they suffered as a result you know so yeah but anyway um but moving sorry a bit bit of nostalgia for you there but um but anyway yes it's amazing so nokia doing very well from um 5g rollout at the moment okay so next to move on to um sort of you know what's going on in the consumer's mind um and so, uh, so first of all, uh, household savings uh, were up during lockdown, um, but they weren't distributed evenly. Um, I think this is from the Resolution Foundation, um, who say that the richest 20% of households um, were four times more likely to have saved under the lockdown as the poorest 20%. Now, that sounds like a shocker and stuff, but I think it shouldn't be because this is unfortunately well fortunately or fortunately if you are in that in that category unfortunate if you are if you aren't but um you know that's just how it is um i think if you've got money it's a hell of a lot easier to make money than it is if you've got nothing um yeah. so so yeah i mean it's a bit sort of uh no <clears throat> sherlock um i would say yeah. on that front you can't you can't be overly surprised that no. at a time when we haven't been able to spend much money going out that yeah. people with more disposable income have saved more yeah <laughs> that, no, that, exactly. that, that, that to me just exactly. sounds like common sense but people yes. seem to be confused by it. that's right Bear, and bears uh, apparently newsflash uh, newsflash bears do go to the toilet in the woods uh, that's the other. <laughs> um so um so actually apparently big winners there the middle classes because um most of their wealth is tied up in property mm. um and so uh, you know house prices have gone up so on paper they've done very well um then um pay rates have been rising in the uk um especially as, as we know you know shortage of delivery drivers abattoir staff hospitality um so i didn't say abattoir staff and then hospitality there's no relation there they're just i'm just <laughs> list, i'm just listing i'm just listing uh abattoir staff um uh, you know care workers and stuff like that um anyone basically and, and anyone in a supply chain really um i mean pay rates have been going up we saw something uh, i mentioned in today's watson's daily about how um hayes the you know the uh, the the do it all um uh, uh recruit recruitment agency you know they were they were saying that business has improved and they were also saying that um you know they were also talking about wage inflation as well um in America, I thought it was interesting as well. Just to, just to, it's this is all reflected over in America as well. So you've got um, McDonald's continues to offer incentives to to new staff, um, so including you know higher higher hourly pay, emergency childcare, uh, paid time off, tuition costs, and all uh, the champagne you can drink. <clears throat> oh, actually i just made up that last one but all the rest of them they're all you know they're all there they're all there so um it just yeah they're obviously everyone's chasing the same pool of uh, of workers um and in terms of more white collar pursuits um in in the workplace um there is a lot of confusion and frustration because of uh, Boris Johnson, um, you know, announcing uh, uh, restrictions lifting in, in, in on Monday. But the problem is, is that um, the businesses want Boris Johnson to be very prescri- prescriptive and say, this is the rule. This is what you've got to do, um, because that means that they won't be liable in court. OK, that's 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 what it's all about. And then the government doesn't want to be prescriptive. Because if it is and people, you know, get COVID or die or anything like that, then they're going to come to the government for compensation. 
So no one, I think this is all about no one wanting to take responsibility, mm. uh, ultimately. But, um, but anyway, that goes on. You've got, um, um, you've got Slaughter and May uh, talking about, you know, doing hybrid working. They've got various different options. They all really centre around um, people um, uh, taking off big chunks of time, um, you know, in exchange for <coughs> lower wages and things. But, you know, my my um, thoughts on that are I just I, I think ultimately what well, it won't work. Um, I think that no matter what the culture of the company is, it's the it's the client base that that governs your behavior. If the clients are of the mind that, you know, if, if the client phones up, that say slaughter and may it says hi there um you know we've got some business for you we're thinking of raising some money we you know we've got uh goldman sachs on you know uh, advising us on the on you know uh, but we'd also like uh your your guy uh john smith um that's the name made up so you know your, um john smith <laughs> really yeah no just in case just in case um in case everyone tries to look him up on like linkedin or something uh, but anyway so yeah we like that guy john smith please um can he work on our deal and then they say, oh, no, really sorry, but uh, John, sorry, but John Smith is having um, some extra time out, um, you know, uh, w- you know, with his with his young family. So really sorry about that. The client is very, very unlikely to say, oh, OK, then let's put it off then and we'll wait until he comes back. They will probably say, OK, then we'll just go to Alan and Overy or something. And mm. I think that you're going to see if you see a lot of that. And I also think as well, the kind of people that go into you know you are likely to be quite competitive if you work for one of these places and if you know that you're missing out because you're you're going to be off for four weeks on the trot then i think that you know you're going to start feeling quite antsy so Mm -hmm. i reckon that you know for it with the best will in the world it sounds to me like a you know human resources project that will that will get human resources people nice bonuses um, but ultimately, I don't think it's workable because of the way the client base is. Um, so, OK. Um, by the way, the only time I've ever seen that work, by the way, is when I was when I was a broker at my first place, Casanova. There was this guy who will, shall remain nameless. But if anyone um, works with me at Casanova is listening to this, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. There was this guy who was such a legend. He used to take off three months in the summer to go and sail around on his yacht <laughs> like he was so good that he managed to get that and people still gave him business and when he came back to the office he would sit down and immediately the orders would just start rolling in he was a machine <laughs> this guy That's um, incredible. either that or he had some you know compromising photos <laughs> i don't know but honestly absolutely amazing but generally speaking it won't i just don't think it will work so um so uh so so that was that was the off office but have you got any thoughts on that at all you know no I'm, i kind of agree with you in terms of particularly for kind of junior lawyers which is who this is apparently targeted at mm. um, I, I think once you kind of you've done your degree and you've done your training contract you really want to be in and client facing don't you mm. i think mm. anything that says well oh you could be you could take a bit more time off less money again by the time you've gone through law school and LPC and whatever, you probably want the you probably want the paycheck that goes with the mm. role. 
but to then yeah take like I say time off and probably not be involved in some of the big deals as a, as a trade off I just don't think will work. Mm. Um, the the only one I think one of the options they were looking at was kind of project based work. So if if you were on um, if you were employed on a project by project basis and you could take mm. off time between projects, that might work, but probably only for slightly more senior lawyers because I imagine you need to be more senior to be involved in that sort of work anyway. So yeah. uh, considering they're talking about doing this for junior lawyers, I, I get that it looks really good in terms of flexibility and in terms yeah. of encouraging people to join the firm, but actually mm. I, I just don't see how it, how it works. No, no. But there we go. Um, you know, cynical, but I think realistic. But then yeah. again, that's what cynic, cynics always say. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, right. Um, apart from, so we've 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 just um, you know been talking about what hap- what's happening um, in terms of you know household savings and wages and stuff like that. So, mm. what are people actually spending their money on? So, apparently, it's going down the pub. Um, according to figures from Barclay Cards, um, business at pubs spending at pubs uh, during the Euros was up by thirty eight percent. Mm-hmm. And the other uh, thing as well is because bars, cafes and stuff were, were open, um, Pepsi um, uh, upgraded its full year uh, forecast because obviously that those distribution channels were closed uh, over lockdown. So that was quite interesting. Um, and then we've also apparently we are spending or we are spending more on travel or we're looking like we're going to spend more on travel uh, to the extent that. Ryanair has said it is going to be hiring 2,000 pilots over the next three years. Um, we've got Centre Parks has, has developed, is de- sorry, announced it's developing a sixth site. It's going to be in West Sussex. Um, and the planning application is going to go in next year. Um, but then it will take about three years to open. I wonder, you know, uh, whether this is, I mean, sounds great. Uh, and Centre Parks is popular. Um, however, uh, I do wonder whether this is just a, a uh, you know, a trick, but not a trick, but uh, uh, the reason, one of the major reasons behind a new development is because the current owners, Brookfield Property Partners, they, they've wanted to offload um, uh, centre parks for a while, um, but then COVID hit. So I guess they want to give new new potential owners a, a reason to buy and, you know, a reason to be optimistic rather than, hey, here's this, you know, here's this portfolio of of five uh, places which have been there for ages. So, mm. you know, um, rather, you know, but uh, as opposed to, hey, there's five excellent places, but we're building this amazing new one which really attracts. But you know, so I think that they it makes their offering potentially more exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly if in uh, we still don't really know what long term what the effect of this virus mm. is going to be, do we? And, and if actually long term, a lot more people would prefer to holiday, particularly young families in the UK. This yeah. might turn out to be a genius move. Yeah. But at the moment, until I think until all the restrictions lift and we kind of get a feel for what's happening long term, yeah, long term recovery wise, it might be it might be the world's worst idea because everyone might go, do you know what? Actually, we want to go abroad. Yeah. But if, like I said, people are a little bit cautious for for years to come, and actually, when they've got a young family, we'd rather stay in the UK than an extra mm. centre park. Seems like a really good idea. Yeah. No, indeed, indeed. Um, not cheap those places. I have oh, to say, no. not cheap, not cheap. Um, anyway, right. So the next thing, uh, just really, yeah, next couple of things is um, to talk about retail um, and and, and uh, real estate. So in terms mm. of retail, we're seeing signs of recovery because uh, UK retail sales rose at their fastest rate in the second quarter since at least 1995, uh, which is obviously quite a long time ago. 
Um, and then, um, you know, that's according to the latest figures from the British Retail Consortium. Um, that's down to um, uh, restrictions lifting, um, euros and overall joy um, at being able to go at, at you know, uh, as, as it were. So, <laughs> Excluding uh, Monday morning. There wasn't yeah. much joy around Monday morning. <laughs> no, indeed. indeed. No, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, um, and then... Um, uh, also, another interesting sign that things are improving on the retail front is British Land, which is one of the biggest um, landlords in the UK. Um, they're collecting more rent from retail tenants. So a high percentage of their retail tenants are paying rent, which is good news. So obviously during lockdown, they were saying we can't pay because we're not open, blah, blah, mm. blah. But it's, that's that's really good sign as well. Uh, and in terms of the actual retailers themselves, you've got Kingfisher, which upped its guidance. Um, Kingfisher owns B&Q and Screwfix. Um, they're doing really well. Generally speaking, DIY does very well in a, in a hot property market because you're either thinking, oh, my God, the property market is so hot, I can't afford anything. So you, you try and improve where you're already living. Or you think uh, property market's really hot. I want to sell my property. So I've got to make it look nice to maximize the price I can get. So you then you do DIY projects then. Or you have been very canny. You've, you've um, dodged stamp duty and you're feeling pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty sat smug with yourself. Uh, bought somewhere and then thought, I want to put my own stamp on this because I don't like the um i don't like the pink draw um you know living room or something i want to paint it a different color were you um, about to say so drawing room then were you about i to was joke? yeah i just don't think why i don't know why i would say that i just don't know why i would say that obviously um, there's a big houses around you <laughs> yeah well you know it's guildford isn't it hey, hey, guildford no uh drawing room yeah uh well i say the boot room or the, yeah that's what anyway little... right so um so yeah i don't know why i was saying anyway right um so um so anyway so they uh, gave up their guidance You've got um, Topshop has reappeared or is reappearing in the US. Um, ASOS bought Topshop last year um, in that massive fire sale of Philip Green's former glorious um, things. Um, so Topshop, um, it's yeah, so it's, it's going to be, be revived again. Um, the ASOS signed a deal with Nordstrom uh, in the US, and that means that Nordstrom is going to be stocking um, Topshop stuff. I think that's really good. It sounds like a good strategic move because it means that um, the ASOS won't have to sort of make, you know, pay rents, buy buildings, do them up, employ people. Uh, it's just another distribution channel. So mm. quite nice. I wonder whether they will sign other deals um, just to improve their distribution. Um, but uh, but that was quite interesting. Um, Superdrug had a tough year. Um, I think Superdrug and Boots, you know, they've, they've stayed open as essential retailers throughout the lockdown, but I just don't know where they're going to go now. You know, what, what are they going to do? They might do better maybe in makeup sales and things because um, people are now starting to um, see, see other people on a more regular basis and, and now applying makeup once again. Uh, I mean, I don't worry. I, I'm, I'm still going makeup free uh, as I have for the entirety of my life. Uh, but um, I will. But, you know, obviously other people um, that, you know, they, they do that and, and actually make up sales and things have actually gone down over 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 lockdown because people think, well, I'm just on Zoom. Doesn't matter. Um, then uh, and then the other thing as well, the John Lewis partnership, which owns Waitrose and John Lewis, um, it announced um, more job cuts. Um, I do think that uh, they are missing a massive trick at the moment. It seems to me they're doing all the low-hanging fruit stuff. So they, they're um, cutting staff, they're closing 
the closing outlets, which I think has actually been made easier because of the coronavirus, um, because they can blame it on they can blame it all on that. Whereas you do wonder whether they would have stayed open, you know, had it not been that it's just it's just shortened the agony potentially, yeah. I think. Um they see, you know, they're they're mucking around with furniture hire and uh, building apartments and stuff like that, which I think is just a distraction. What they need to do, in my humble opinion, is to come out with a big plan, announce it. You know, I say go big or go home. Just get a plan out there. Say this is what we're going to do. This is what the stores are going to look like. This is what we're going to offer because we've listened to you, and then just go forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that um, M&S did this at the end of the 90s, uh, beginning of the noughties, um, and it it did very well for a, for a good few years before it slid back into blandness once more. But, <laughs> you know, I do think that John Lewis has to do this. Otherwise, it will um, it will die, in my yeah, I mean, in my opinion. I mean, I would agree, because, I mean, even even with the struggles, and like you said, they, they're kind of fortunate in a way, because it does look like, all the struggles are coronavirus caused, even if they're not. So mm. I think there's a lot of consumer sentiment with John Lewis. A lot of people are very fond of the brand. Mm. So like I said, because it kind of, unless you dig too deep, does look like the, the main culprit is coronavirus. Actually, if mm. they came up with a big plan, you probably find a lot of consumers would back them and go and try out whatever it was they were going to do with the new stores. And mm. I, I, I would agree. Though. I think, yeah, go, go big or go home, come up with something that, yeah. makes makes the, their stores a lot more appealing again and, and yeah. get people back through the doors exactly exactly i mean you know it might be more experiences and things i remember saying um like places like fortnum and mason you know they they had um various things going on in their department okay that's okay there aren't many fortnum and masons really around the world but um you know they're trying to concentrate on experience and and everything and that, i think that's what you know, they need to concentrate on stuff that can't be replicated online, basically. Mm, absolutely. So, um, anyway, moving on. Last thing, real estate. So, um, interestingly, so you saw home sales were down 60% below uh, below their average last month, according to Knight Frank. Um, as, you know, we, we come to the end of the um, stamp duty holiday. Mm. But then, uh, according to Bank of England st- stats, um, UK house prices were actually up. So I just think that we are entering a period now where I feel that we are topping out. Um, And I think that we're going to get to a a stage where um, people are then just going to sit on their hands and not do anything and see what happens when furlough hits. Now, I think that most people are expecting um, a big spike in unemployment but I feel that if that does not come to pass, um, we may see yet another rally uh, again. But I think there is also a risk that um, that housing sales will slow down earlier in the year as a result of that um, than they would do under normal circumstances. Because, you know, we've got till September. So maybe that is going to have a muting effect on um October, November, December. Mm. Uh, so as people just wait to see what happens when the dust settles. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, that, that was quite interesting. Um, and then we got the world's biggest com- uh, commercial property landlord, Blackstone. Uh, they were talking about moving away from re- uh, exposed to retail and offices um, and uh, mentioned, uh, you know, looking, looking at some student accommodation, which sounds interesting. But I think ultimately, 
that's not a great thing to have exposure to, at least for the next few years, because I, I get the feeling that overseas students aren't going to be overly um, excited about studying in the UK, um, given that probably um, the overseas students that were here over this academic year have had a pretty rubbish time of it because one of the main reasons why you study abroad is because you want the contact you want that interaction you want to be somewhere else and yet they've just been confined pretty much to their you know maybe they, they might have gone back home or whatever so yeah it's been a pretty rubbish experience and i would imagine that um uh that yes uh overseas students uh inflows are going to be dented for a while i would have thought i don't know it might be suddenly everyone's absolutely desperate to do it but i would think not uh, on yeah balance. yeah i know this was a bit of a weird one for me as well i i, I can get i can get like moving away from having so much retail i, I get mm. that as a reducing exposure there but like mm. you say with, with the student housing maybe it's might be stable but i don't see any growth potential for like i said for at least a few years mm. so it just come across as a yeah, it's probably slightly safer, but it doesn't look like a, a massive growth plan, does it? No, don't think so. Um, so uh, anyway, we were talking about dry. So the next thing was really drive. Uh, you know, uh, drive throughs are seen as a as something um, that are very popular at the moment. I don't think it's going to be a particularly great thing in the UK because um, I feel that they take up a lot of room. And there's not much point, really, because I think if you get that Big Mac feeling, you're going to be <laughs> like, well, I'll just, um, you know, I'll, I'll go there or you just do, you get it delivered. You know, why would you get in a car and go and then, I don't know, and sit in a car park or come home? I mean, it just I just think that it's it's one of those things that management, you know, it's like a management knee jerk reaction to what happened last year. Hmm. But I just don't think it's particularly I, I think they'd be better off trying to um imp- you know sort of maybe rejig the quick kitchens or something um to try to be able to adapt to more delivery perhaps but i i don't think drive-ins is not the not the uh not the answer in, in my opinion but what do you think no no i would agree with you i think like you said because there was such an uptick in in the performance of drive-throughs last year yeah. but that was because of the weird situation we were in you couldn't go and sit in the restaurant, so that took that option away. And to start yeah. with, I think if you look at the kind of the major drive-through restaurants, your McDonald's, your KFC, that sort of thing, mm. they didn't, they weren't really set up for delivery yet. So if you wanted them, you kind of had to go through a drive-through. Yeah, um, yeah. But for me now, it doesn't, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense because the only people that normally I would say would go through a drive-through would be people that have to because they're already on the move. Yeah, and, yeah, and at definitely. the moment, com- commuting is is down. Working from mm. home is still more of a thing. Like I said, mm. now, now most of them are on car. If you Uber Eats, your Deliveroo, or have their own systems, mm. actually, you're either going to go and sit in a restaurant, or you're going to pe- get someone to deliver it to you because mm. most of them do that for very little cost, and it's a bit yeah. of a waste. For me, it's a bit of a waste yeah. of fuel to drive to your next nearest yeah. town to yeah. pick up some food and bring back exactly. when, someone, when someone else can bring it for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why? Why? Uh, yeah, why, why would you bother? But anyway, but there you go. So, I mean, I think we've we've solved lots of the world's mysteries uh, this week. All um, week's work. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, look, um, thank you so much, as always, Duncan. Um, always really appreciate your inputs uh, on this podcast and all the podcasts you do. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, thank you very much for listeners, for listening, for listening and supporting us. Thank you so much. Have a lovely week. 
weekend even uh and and week and life and and all that kind of stuff and we'll be back again uh with you very soon so thanks, many thanks bye, bye.